Danendra, welcome to the Commerce Talks podcast. Another GCC highlight today, today with my co-host Lina, also from the region. We're going to talk about the furniture industry in your region, the kids fashion industry. So a lot to talk about. Welcome here. And maybe let's start with short introduction. So who are you exactly and what is the last group? Thank you very much for having me, Alex. Hello, Lina. It's a pleasure to talk to both of you. Um, I deeply admire what both of you are doing in terms of building the ecosystem and the sh knowledge sharing that you are doing. So congratulations on that and extremely excited to be speaking to both of you. Thank you very much. Quick introduction. So my name is Dharmendra Mehta. I head uh, e-commerce for Lal's group in the Middle East. The group is a diversified conglomerate with interests in various businesses, but a large portion of that is retail. Some of our retail brands are synonymous with the region. We've we run a large format home and furniture store called Homes R Us. We are also in the mother and baby cares category where we have a brand called Mom Store, which is our newest addition to the family. And we are also franchisees of a few international brands like Daiso Japan, Carter's, Oshkosh, US Polo Association. My role with the group is as head of e-commerce is to build digital journeys for each of these retail brands. Um, some of these brands need their own monocytes. Some have mobile applications and some sell on third-party marketplaces, right? So the entire business, how to orchestrate it from a digital perspective and reach our customers is what I do. I've had the good fortune of working with Lena on some of these, uh, of these ideas. And um, I really look forward to speaking to you today. And just for the understanding here, some of those brands do have a brick and mortar heritage, I understand, or did they start as a direct-to-consumer online experience? These are essentially all uh, retail heritage brands. Some of these brands are 20 plus years old. And uh, essentially the digital business, when we say monocyte, is one more store for each of these brands. So we probably have 16 or 17 homes that are stores in the UAE. And the 17th store is the digital store. Okay. So maybe Lina, can you, can you shed some light here? Because this kind of store thinking, like as an online channel, that is, was also something we saw like in the European market, in the US market, and like it slowly migrates into a pure online thinking. Is this something you're seeing a lot also in the region, also with other brands, Lina? And, and where in this kind of journey do you, do you see the Lals group? So first of all, here we're still offline first and online will probably won't overtake offline stores for another 10 years. However, uh, prior even to the pandemic, a lot of the big conglomerates started to think, you know, how can they reach the younger set of consumers? And that's where e-commerce conversations start coming out. You know, it wasn't just, oh, we need to launch e-commerce. It was more about we have uh, different generations that are looking for us online. To, so to stay relevant, we should launch online channel to capture the new audience. And Lal's group was one of those. They are very, very successful conglomerate offline and their stores are very known brands in the region, not just in the UAE, but across the whole Gulf countries. And uh, a number of their customers in 2018, 19, and obviously during the, the pandemic, start really like asking, can I shop online? I just want to, I know your brand. I don't want to come to the single owned stores. So that's where, that's why Elal's group decided to go into this digital journey. And uh, they're definitely not online first. They, if anything, they're trying to go from offline first to omni-channel. And as most of us here probably on this call and most of the listeners would know that omni-channel is not that easy to achieve. But the benefit that we have in this side of the world is that 
it was a greenfield project. So the technologies are a lot newer. We, we don't have a new legacy. So for us, Omnichannel became a lot more achievable and a, and a lot like a lot faster. So I think Lyle's group is now first step was get e-commerce launched for them for each of the brands. And now, you know, they are on the, on, in, in, in that journey you know, of trying to make it as omnichannel as possible across not just click and collect, but returns all the products, you know, and, and even when consumers come in store, they, they want to offer you the full range, you know, and that's only achievable with the omnichannel effect. Damendra, when, when you are, when obviously you're part of kind of the transformation committee, I would say for, for the Lights group. So, and Lena is like also part of it because she's working in some of the projects. But when you, when you're discussing online strategies like customer, customer journeys, where to put your money on Facebook, Google, other, other platforms. So how, how big is a part of this conversation still attributed to convincing? Your colleagues in the and uh, in, in the, with retail heritage that online is the right way to go, and how much is it like really focusing on an online pure journey? Uh, I think fortunately for us, we have a mandate from the executive. So both our founder, Mr. Lal himself, and our CEO, Mr. Jayan Ganwani, are actually leading the transformation. So to that extent, everybody is aligned. I think we get a lot of support in terms of whatever is needed to make sure that each of these brands is successful. So. Within the organization, that realization sunk in probably early 2020 that we really needed to have a digital part of the business as well. And with that clear mandate that we are building one more additional store for each of the brands, the brand heads also kind of collaborate, right? So each of the user journeys, because they're category specific and you need to build different user journeys for each different product category. So the home journey is slightly different from the mother and baby journey. And we actually create those specific journeys for each of these brands on the mobile application, on the website, which is very specific to those brands. And here we work very closely with, uh, with the leadership team for each of these brands. And uh, there is a lot of support. I think the question, like you keep saying, Alex, it's not about what or how, it's about when it's going to happen. And, uh, and that realization, I think, came in 2020. So we are all kind of focused on building uh, e-commerce as a very viable and sustainable uh, part of the business along with the heritage retail business maybe let's focus a bit more like on the home and living segment so in, in europe my understanding it's there's very very few brands in home and living so every retailer might it be ikea obviously they are their own brand but the lutz group or others they they have a kind of an easy time of selling stuff because it's very hard to compare in the market. So is it different in, in your region? Is it more brand focused when people are buying buying furniture, for example? Do they want to buy furniture from Lals or do they want to buy a specific sofa brand within Lals? I think both. So if you look at the 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 journey for each consumer, there are two sets of people who are here. One is this entire migration of people that happens regularly. You know, you have new talent that's constantly coming into the region. And these are first-time home buyers and, you know, their need to buy a product is probably not, is not all of furniture, but they need very specific requirements. You know, you need one recliner, one sofa, one coffee table. And these customers are searching for a product. But people who've been living in the region for a long time, they find our brands are synonymous with the region. So for example, Homes Arrest, which is our home and retail, home and furniture store, um, is synonymous with best product, best category, you know, very local taste that we kind of provide from our category assortment perspective. 
and therefore customers who are searching for you know the second time buyers or their upgrades actually shop more and more with uh, with the brand so from a from a competition landscape perspective you have entry price point brands and you have mid and premium segment brands which is where our, we play and then you have the luxury brands so we would probably be competing with probably one notch above ikea with uh, brands in the region what is a typical customer journey then are there customers that are buying on homes are us are those customers that know the store from the retail experience or are this like new one customers through online channels it's a decent mix because uh, online is supposed to acquire new customers and that is what happens so when all our google search ads and our reach and frequency campaigns are more diverted towards people who are not aware of the brand and in their user journey they are looking for a product specifically and not for the brand but we also get about 20, about 50% of our traffic is also direct so consumers are searching for the brand in the comments and 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 before i hand over to lena for some questions and if you like do a geo ip mapping so where are the customers coming from um, specifically do you see a much higher share of visitors from the regions where you have a store or is it kind of evenly distributed Uh no I think it it's it comes from the region where we have stores I think if you look at the UAE specifically it is 60% Dubai as an e-commerce market mm. and our e-commerce also reflects that and so does our retail uh, footprint so for us Dubai is the larger market uh, Abu Dhabi is probably about 25 30% and the other emirates are about 10 15% but that's yeah. common across most uh, retailers We recently launched in Qatar, and there also we're seeing a similar trend of you know the the micro markets where stores are present. We find a lot more consumers buying from us. Got it. Lina, should I hand over to you, or or should I follow my questionnaire here? <laughs> no, maybe we will switch. You know, as now, Darum, you know, kind of nicely started. You know, the the whole e-commerce and introduced the like the brand. I think what would be interesting to hear his views. about the e-commerce and the changing trend you know ver- sort of growth versus profitability and do you think that the growth era of e-commerce is sort of coming to slow down and we really now need to focus on how to win over in the long term i believe in this region we've always very profit focused but maybe you're seeing a different trend and now there's a whole world going from growth to profitability what's your take and how do you see it, the e-commerce in the region um and i think very interesting question and we keep talking about this often right so if you just take a step back and understand where all this started was um the gmv focused startups and that is where i come from in my previous life was you know building marketplace in a in an asian market where you know capital was not easily available and therefore smart entrepreneurs found that the venture capital route was the easiest to kind of uh, get started with funding and therefore what happened was the vc's kpi which was market share became the kpi of the business and everybody started doing the biggest and the fastest and the largest you know startups that started coming up mm. you know on a lighter note i even saw an ad which said we are the fastest company to reach a billion dollar run rate i mean what does that even mean it's the run rate that you're talking about it's the fastest run rate i have so but it didn't mean anything to me so so but from a from the post pandemic situation perspective even in those markets what happened was sustainable growth versus growth at any cost became the theme and a lot of those businesses which were running for growth at any cost have now you know become they've kind of now become more focused on sustainable profitable uh, ways of doing business specifically in this region 
because capital was always coming from funded was always funded by either a family or personal wealth it was you know it is always a very highly focused on profit kind of a region even with us that's how the business is run right so e-commerce is a new segment but it is funded by you know by personal wealth from which has come from other businesses right and therefore the focus on profitability is very very high and and that's how we deal with it even when the within the group but on the flip side when the gmv focus goes away i think and this is my personal opinion that innovation actually dies slowly because those moonshot ideas and your daily innovation actually take a back seat and you because you remain within the box to you know try to get your cost line items in place at all times and therefore um, those those bright ideas of you know to be the star star trek boys and say you know i want to boldly go where no man has gone before i think that that kind of takes a back seat and and when you look at it at a market level when everyone's doing the same thing it could be a bit of a risk so you need some of these guys who are driving the the moonshot ideas the the big gmb drive gmb drivers but what about you know considering you are looking after quite a distinct side of segments like mother and baby like a fashion and the furniture right so home furniture and accessories do you see that even the profitability is is sort of interpreted differently you know because obviously you have different margins and and quite a different user journeys so any differences you see you know between the different industries oh yes I, absolutely i think uh, when you look at it uh, both markets both industries are very very different you have the mother and baby segment is extremely competitive you have you have amazon vying for that category you have noon which is the local uh, big marketplace that's vying for the category there's first cry there's mums world so there's a lot of competition there at the same time while everybody believes that you know this is a user journey for 5 years when from the time the mother decides to embark on a motherhood journey to actually you know the child is 5 to 7 years old but one thing that we should remember is this end user of the product actually outgrows the product in every 2 weeks if not 2 months and therefore you need to constantly keep buying and you need to be in top of mind space with the mum to you know constantly keep giving her the right product so therefore it's a very it's a very different category you need to you know keep acquiring new consumers all the time and you need to keep keep engaging with them through you know more channels so you, the more you build the community the more you build you know the mothers information you become the more you become the mothers information channel i think it becomes she becomes more rele- you become more relevant to her and then price goes out of out of context but again from a margins perspective because these are ubiquitous products they are the same products available everywhere pricing is always a consideration and you always play the game there right but on other categories like home for example it is a different industry altogether it's more a logistics business than than you know and how soon can you get the right product to the right consumer and how do you showcase the right products to each uh, customer based on their journey with you i think that's where um, the uh, that's where the entire business lies so and that's what we are focused on building correct nice. so now you touch base yeah like just one minute to your statements about like the gmb focused go to market ambitions of former startups so would you say that regardless if it's furniture or mom and kids and fashion would you say right now there is no chance for a venture capital driven business to enter the market let's say they are building the biggest home and living platform whatever like uh, uh, 20 times the selection of homes are us giving out discount codes like every other week on 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 every channel so you would not be afraid 
of such a thing because you you've seen that it's it's not working out on on, on a long run and that customers are focusing on other things. Is that what I understand, right? Yes, absolutely. I think also what's happening is customers are becoming more informed with all that technology is doing. They're making choices based on, I mean, their decisions are based on choices that they make and they really understand. And one trend that's definitely coming up is people are moving away from marketplaces to monocytes. So people will start shopping more and more on homezerus.com as compared to, you know, buying for furniture from marketplace. So the more you build value for Why, why, keep coming back why, why do you think this happens? Uh, when customers are looking for, in their journey, they're looking for a product at a price and which where they're looking for selection. I think that's where the journey starts for the market from a marketplace. However, the experiential customer who knows what they want, they come to the brand, right? And that's And you're seeing that migration happen. A lot of customers who want that experience of getting that welcome email every time they shop or that experience of, you know, getting a product delivered at their convenience when they want from the brand they really want to shop with brands you see this happening even in the fashion business right where where customers who buy non branded products start buying branded products during end of season sales and then those customers become users of brands and their in their journey they start buying full price products and the same journey continues in the home and furniture business as well can i just add one thing cuz you know i see it you know like just to kind of confirm what the mandar is saying so I work with a lot of customers across different industries and what started maybe the fastest way of entering e-commerce was to list your products on the marketplace now retailers realize one that why you know they don't have any access to the data and they don't understand who their consumers are so in if you like furnishing business what's the next collection we don't have any data what products sold in the previous collection what sort of type of even products lo- customers are looking and so that was one challenge but the second challenge retailers said okay why i should use marketplace as my outlet store and i should use my mono site to launch new collections to to provide that exclusivity to our loyal customers so if they know about us uh, they should come to our website and discover what's new what's the latest what's the greatest and even if we decide to give the discount at least they get that discount from us uh, directly as Dramendra mentioned and now the marketplace at least in this part of the world becoming like my outlet store which i never had it or never could never afford you know maybe to to build it just as an outlet store and they're giving like uh, like i have clients that giving in fashion three seasons back you know items to sell it to them to move it fast so i definitely agree what Dramendra said and also i think consumers as you mentioned earlier consumers becoming very very well educated and consumers realizing that if you want new if you want the cutting edge and if you want to get that personalized touch from the brand you go on the mono brand side because 3 years ago 4 years ago there, we didn't have a lot of mono sites so consumer had only option if you want new you go to the store or if you want fast you go to the marketplace but now mono sites becoming very strong and you can get new and fast from the mono brand and um the mandra so you are over overviewing now three brands one from the furniture two from the kids kids sector does it make sense from your point of view to connect those brands on like the customers on one platform so let's say you have a customer buying something from carters where you know okay he's buying kids clothes so most likely he needs like a new kids reliable sofa in a year he gets like the homes are us newsletter is it something you are doing or, or will you see some value in it 
Absolutely, a lot of value in doing it. Okay. But but now it's like three platforms or at least three three outlets and there's more like in the large group I get you're running. So how how do you look at it like from an IT org perspective? So how how do you get it running? So how much of the online online to-dos can you do in-house? How how many of those online to-do do you need to outsource to agencies? So because we were starting off small, we treat the e-commerce team as a startup within the big group. We're a team of about 25 people all put together, but most of our engineering bandwidth is outsourced. We have one partner dedicated who we work with. And so our front end is managed through that team. And then we have a backend integration, uh, which is a group level ERP that we work with. So, so yeah, so now, as you mentioned earlier around the discounts and then, then very different user journeys, I think you will agree with me that a lot of GCC players have a lot of discounts 365 days a year. And I think this is very common in this part of the world, but maybe very different in, in Europe and in the US. So do you think that consumers, you know, because you have a very good understanding of customer journeys for different sectors, do you think that we as consumers here are addicted to discounting? And I would say that if you ask clients that even I have in Europe, they would say, if you keep discounting, discounting it to just to keep your customer, you kind of already failed. So what's your take on it? And and how do you perceive the whole discounting? Well, I think it's a it's it's a curse of the consumer-based economy, right? Where where discounting really is is becoming a part of the conversation more than it should be. Uh, you know, probably 10 years ago when I was leading a fashion and lifestyle retail department store, one of my core KPIs was full price season sell-through. Today, that KPI doesn't even exist, right? So, but that's because of the way the business has evolved, you know? So the way I see it is if you look at retail as a business, it's a it's a 10,000-year-old business, right? As a concept, it's been there forever. And it's always been working on these, uh, uh, on, the, on three levers of service selection and price. And what has, I mean, until probably 30 years ago, what was happening was the experiences of these three levers were available within the box, within a retail store. So a customer had to come to my store, shop at a convenient time and with only with a finite number of customers. But as we got into e-commerce and as marketplaces came about, this entire system got democratized. You know, So two things happened. One, top of the funnel, there was, there was an explosion of demand and every brand was trying to capture that demand. Now to build service and selection is a time-taking process. But pricing became the easy weapon to kind of acquire customers, right? So to pull customers down from top of the funnel quickly, everyone started doing the price game, right? And also what started happening is, I mean, on the other side, on a larger, you know, perspective, retail was always about events to buy. And these were either festivals or seasons. And, and you know, there was always some reason for you to buy new clothes, buy new furniture, buy a new home. Uh, these were spread out across the year. And therefore, you had end-of-season sales and things. But with this entire consumers coming, you know, getting empowered to shop anywhere, anytime, this entire journey has changed completely. So now you need 365 days of festivals because you need to keep talking. You need to remain relevant to your consumers every single day. And while you are acquiring new consumers, you also need to keep retaining customers, right? And therefore, pricing today has become that daily festival where people have to come and shop with you. But as you see, as brands spend more and more time, energy, effort, money, building building the right user journeys, building more modes for their businesses, I think the discounting frenzy will probably go away. 
And at the same time, I think the consumer is really smart. They only pay for the value they perceive is right. And irrespective of where they are shopping, in what segment they shop, they are very, very clear about what true value they can derive out of every transaction that they do. So they will only pay you as much as they think is fit for that product. But but does it mean, and obviously I'm just surfing on your on your websites and this kind of discount vouchers are very prominent on top of the sites. If you would get rid of those voucher codes initially where it says like 50% season voucher or I think on Carter's it's saying join the family and get 40% off every time you shop, which creates obviously kind of a discount expectation for for the for the customers so my if you would now delete this kind of banners you'd say that the conversion rate of the websites will go down immediately is this correct oh yes absolutely i think so one of the challenges of a new business is always that you don't have enough database to you know kind of target retarget and therefore you adopt in early days you adopt these strategies of you know quick discounting like lena was saying before right you're you're also competing with the marketplaces and you need to bring in those consumers right so today some of these brands may be dependent on direct tra on buying traffic to come to the site and therefore some of these uh, some of these offers are available however eventually the journey that we are building is for like you said how at the group level how can we have a loyalty program where all these brands can participate and consumers get more out of just other than just discounts right so till the time we build those user journeys experiences around service and around selection pricing still remains you know that tactical go to um, go to you know it remains a go to tactic to kind of get get customers into you and can you go a bit more in detail into the customer journey itself Are you still like running campaigns like on Google, Facebook, Instagram, or some other channels, or is there kind of a hidden growth channel in GCC which you can share with us? No, I think it's very it's very similar to what it is in the West. So there is there are certain product categories that that do better from a reach and frequency perspective. So Meta really works for those categories, and there are certain categories where you really want to be on top of mind of the customer journey right so if the customer's need is a product or a brand then google makes a lot of sense and then we spend a lot of time building those um, um those campaigns uh, but when it comes to you know reach and frequency smaller ticket size products which are more impulse to buy then we look at you know meta and the other areas of how to reach to consumers mm, okay So as you're talking about social media, digital marketing, pretty much paid media side. So data is a big part of, you know, improving that customer experience and and kind of, I have a customer that recently started looking from customers once they enter the site. And I said, no, no, we need to start tracking right from the, the first ad that they saw and how many times they saw it and did they click yes or no and X, Y, and Z. So uh, what sort of, like, do you, do you analyze data? And if you do, how often? And then from that onwards, maybe you can elaborate more on the KPIs that you, you track or hold your manage, management team accountable for. No, absolutely. I think data is the reason why this business is so important. I think uh, everything that we track is right from the, from the beginning of where, of each of the channels or where the customers actually come to the website or the mobile app and what their journey has been through right what are the pages they went to what were the events they clicked what what all did they do so i think that that really works i think that is where the focus is from a kpi perspective i think uh, there are two important aspects here in the business one is the demand generation and the second is the supply and fulfillment so the demand teams really work on generating uh, traffic that is high intent who want to come and buy with us 
And for them, therefore, their KPIs are cost per acquisition, you know, conversion, the order values they drive. And the supply side then works with fulfillment tats and they have speed of delivery, accuracy of delivery, uh, and, you know, so, and their fulfillment speed. So they work on those kind of KPIs. So if you look at the management meets that we have every week, the team within the e-commerce division works uh, on on these two fronts, right? So the so you create an overarching business plan, and then the demand team works with their KPIs of bringing consumers in, and the supply division starts working on fulfilling those and making sure that conversion KPIs are always met. And what about the harder KPIs like market share, profit improvement? You know, which I guess is related to you. Because it's quite hard to to be tracking that in in the GCC. How are you finding it? And do you first track it? And if so, you know, like, is it getting better, worse for for the e-commerce business? Oh, no, absolutely. I think we track all of those. And I think uh, the starting point of any business plan is market share, right? So how much can you you do? And and from a profitability profitability perspective, it's always about at what, uh, in initial days, at what burn can you achieves growth and scale so these are always considerations and the the leadership meetings are always about for the next quarter this is our objective and we want to go after growth or do we do we want to scale down and be more profitable and that's how the business takes direction mm. just one, one one question about your statement that retail was always about price selection and service Usually the online players say that kind of the convenience convenience aspect of getting those three pillars is way better. It's easier to access the whole like collection because it's just not one click. You have all this filter stuff, but they do have a very hard time to add services. In the furniture industry, we saw with some players that, that tried to add this kind of high-end logistic service. We bring the sofa to you. We will put it in your living room we will take the old sofa out and there's it's like a, it's a low friction low friction process is this something you can also offer and which makes a difference compared especially to the marketplaces you just mentioned because that's where i would expect the difference comes comes from i might find a similar sofa on a marketplace but you might provide kind of this special delivery thing or are there other startups now focusing on this logistic pillar uh, no, I think that's where the strength of the base of our business lies, and that's because we're essentially a logistics company, right? And we understand what it takes to move furniture into your house, what it takes to install it, and you know what kind of accessories will go along with when you want to f- complete the look. So that's that's the kind of uh, uh, even if you look at our website, most of the collections we have are across. So they're collections, right? So you could have the same collection in your in your drawing room and in your bedroom as well. And then you could have accents that go across the house, right? So that's how we, that's how our customers also perceive us. And if you look at our sales of collections, they're really high with us. And it, it comes for this reason because it gets installed at one go. You get the same look and feel for your home. Your If you were doing up your kid's bedroom, for example, everything to do with it comes at one time. It gets installed. You have a team of technicians who visit you. You know, after sales service is really important. If you need some repairs, you need to move something around. I think this is where the difference lies. And because this this is a brand that's been in the region for a long time, that trust factor with customers also exists. And going back again to like how fast this shift happens into online, can you share some some market numbers? So from all furniture sold in the regions where we are active, so what is like the online share? For, for furniture i think in europe we are now close to like 20 percent or so 15 percent still it's a very very 
brick and mortar focused market. In session, we are way higher, close to forty percent. Uh, electronics, obviously, very high. But what what is it with the segments you're you're active in? What is the market share in your region? Uh, I think we're somewhere between seven to ten percent at a market level, uh, and it's largely also because most of the brands are doing their omni-channel journey. So even in stores, you can see a larger catalog. You know, so there's a kiosk, and you can actually browse a larger catalog. You can order from store. So so it's kind of seamless there and. Um, from most competitors also where we're seeing i think um, about 7 to 10% is where most of them are are kind of getting contributions from their online business so talking about furniture and online business a number of furniture retailers post covid said you know so obviously they had a significant growth during the pandemic and after the pandemic you know they're seeing like quite a the quite a slowdown so what about you and homes rs because you kind of launched during COVID, so you kind of did not really have numbers prior to COVID. But do you see now that the market is slowing down, especially for online furniture, or you are continuing still growing uh, month over month? Uh, I think we are a very new business. So for us, uh, you know, these, the impact of all these is very small, and we continue to grow month on month. If you, but if also if you look at the market, what's happening is there's a lot of new people coming into the region now. You're seeing all that the government is doing to bring in new talent across uh, from all the world markets, right? So a lot of these new home makers are coming. Also, the impact of you know certain countries where there is uncertainty right now because of various situations. A lot of that population is also moving here to the region. So homes are still getting sold, and therefore a lot of home and furniture buying is happening. And therefore, you're seeing in the region, you're seeing still the trend is very positive on the furniture business. And online, right? So positives. Yeah, of course, online. and online. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and a lot of these consumers are coming are next generation, the Gen Y, Gen Z. And they are, you know, more used to buying online than, than going to the store. And, and for let's maybe focus for the last part of the of the podcast, maybe on the two other sections, the mom stores and and carters. What is the customer loyalty on those on those products? Are if you like getting a customer on carters offline or online? Is this customer loyal to the brand for the lifetime of the child? So I'm not saying this child is dying, but obviously it's sometime, some in, somewhere in the future it will grow out of this kind of assortment. So how many years can you serve a customer in these categories? So I think ideally what, what you can do is actually serve a customer for five to seven years. I think that's what okay. uh, so long. Is, is, most, is the assumption because right from the time the, the, the child is born to the time the child is about seven years old, you have... Uh, you have brands which kind of cater to these, right? So there are some zero to two-year brands and then there are two to five-year brands and then five to seven-year brands. So that's how, from an assortment perspective, you can. However, the child, like you said, rightly outgrows the product very soon. And therefore, people are constantly looking to buy new products. And, and the reason for the existence of marketplaces in this category is this, that you repeatedly need to need to keep buying. You know, you need to keep buying new shoes, new clothes, new back-to-school items and and always, you know, you need an upgrade happening from the child as well. So uh, so it is a very competitive category because pricing plays a very big part here, especially for essentials. But, uh, but from an assortment perspective, what you have to do is there are consumers who know uh, exactly what they want for their child and they will buy only those certain kind of brands or products. But there are others who have a price point consideration, which is the larger chunk of the population and, who uh, are looking to buy are the brands sold at Mumstore and Carters are those similar to the Western world brands? Are there are there many brands that are super specific to your region? 
these are all global brands so carters for example is the world's oldest kids wear brand and the largest it's about a 200 year old brand we have franchises of the brand here in the region mm. home store is our own brand it's our own homegrown locally born in the uae brand and it's a it's a department store for kids wear and mother and the mother where we bring in international brands from europe uh, across apparel and non apparel categories like um, car seats strollers you know outdoor furniture etc and it's an assortment for a mom to uh, you know get all her basic needs right from the time the child is born till the time the child is about 5 6 years old so in this mother and baby category as you mentioned an assortment plays a really key role and the mother you know like you know i'm a mother so i completely agree that we constantly look you know even the child changes you know so what they liked you know when they were 1 year old they don't no longer like you know when they're 3 year old you know so they have like opinions but do you look that into making mom store maybe like a marketplace so pretty much you know onboarding non your brands and doing like a drop shipping model is that something as a planning you know and then is it something on the cards no i don't think so because we are essentially retailers at heart right so for us it is mom store online is one more store and whatever catalog we can carry in the store is what's available in online maybe there's a small extended catalog of outdoor furniture etc which you can't carry in stores because of space constraints but other than that we would probably not look uh, at becoming a marketplace i think that's a different business model altogether and we are not uh, we are not following that looking forward into like 2023 and i guess also like recession inflation will hit like the gcc region maybe not as hard as like other region is there something you're looking forward in 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 particular some like big movement into like the online industry because like we are just coming out of corona which obviously helped up also your your brands do you see like swing back into the brick and mortar retail space or would it be like a flourishing 2023 for the e-commerce businesses of the lals group i'd hope that it is flourishing for the e-commerce business but we're seeing that customers are buying in both places right so if you look at the overlap in in our brands i think about 20% of customers shop both online and in store so that's already a trend so it is for us to kind of build that journey for customers to keep making it more rewarding for them to keep shopping with us and as long as we are able to seamlessly tell them that you know irrespective of where you shop you get the same experience and um, for example click and collect is so about 15 to 20% of our orders are now click and collect where consumers find it convenient to go to a store and pick it up at their convenience at their at the time they want to and as long as we are able to build these journeys and you know make it more rewarding for consumers i think they will they will keep us rewarded with shopping at both online and in the store so how do you do you trust the technology and does the technology actually play a key role in in helping you build these journeys and uh, now we have a big topic headless so what's what's your take on headless and and do you because you're trying to make that journey seamless are you looking into different technology stacks you know to help you with that oh yes i think one of the advantages of being a late entrant in the market is a lot of technologies have already evolved and the opportunities for us to pick and choose what really works for us I think when we were building the business we were still you know figuring out what are the right infrastructure that we need to build from a front end back end perspective so we chose to go with you know what was easy and you know you can do a plug and play and drag and drop kind of approach to you know start working but as we evolve the business will need more and more technologies to start working together and that's why we are looking at uh, you know and headless of course is going to be one of those answers where we look at you know how 
whatever investments we've made in technology so far don't go waste and we are able to kind of seamlessly integrate it to the next level of work right so that's that's how we're seeing it another last hey. question from you closing the podcast lena uh, what what, what yeah, did you so always I think wanted you know, to know i know you have like a project related relationship here but maybe there's like one question you you always wanted to ask amendra on the record <laughs> no i think you like even to take you know maybe so Darenda is actually a very strong leader in e-commerce space and then it's quite hard to find these leaders you know in the gcc region i don't know most of them may be sitting in germany alex or the us but quite difficult of talent in the in the gcc uh, and if if you get them you know they like they choose to work in the in the startups so as a retailer we definitely do struggle you know have the e-commerce heads but Darenda is actually very you know strong and and understands the sector really well so i just want your maybe personal view you know what do you think the 2023 looks like in terms of whether you take it tech whether you take it marketing or consumer shift in consumer behavior what do you predict the the trends we will see in 2023 uh so i think uh, largely consumers are becoming more demanding they are very clear about what they want they are making the choices based on the information you give them so the big themes of you know sustainability ethical sourcing are really becoming the talk of uh, are becoming normal conversation now and the more you are able to provide that information to your consumers and tell them you know what are the sources where your products are coming from uh, and how you treat your teams how you you know kind of build your entire infrastructure how the more transparent with you are with your consumers the more they're going to be loyal to you and uh, and that's how that, that's what we're seeing is happening now right so customers like to engage with happy sales people and they also want to know what the origin or the source of origin of their product is and and that is going to be a very big trend i think um, the sooner businesses kind of start working towards making that information very easily available to consumers i think that's going to be a challenge so we're looking at sustainability and maybe you will start selling recycled sofas next year yes refurbish i think e-commerce is big you know and and there is a yeah. there's a big market for it and we always always get uh, people asking us you know can i get a refurbished one or can you give me a last piece or so there is that opportunity but uh, it's a different consumer segment and we need to really answer the what the user journey is going to be but i think once we do it then there's an opportunity there for sure yeah maybe we shouldn't start with refurbed sofas maybe there are other categories that are working better and but, but let's see let's see about it thank you amandra very interesting very insightful thank you lina see you in the gcc region Thank you.